As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, listeners. Jess here. Have you heard our newest show, Winnie Taylor's Fourth and Inches? Winnie Taylor is just a teenager when her mother dies, sending her to Cleveland to reunite with her dad, a former football player. It's an inspirational story about sports, family, and learning to overcome the barriers that hold us back. Winnie Taylor's Fourth and Inches has something for everyone. Action-packed football games, a story about friendship, and a father-daughter story that will warm everyone's heart. I know you're going to love it. Follow Winnie Taylor's Fourth and Inches wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free with a GZM family subscription. Head to gzmshows.com for more. Hello and welcome to the Earth Rangers podcast. I'm Earth Ranger Emma, and today we're going to go hog wild. Earth Rangers, what do you know about wild pigs? Well, if you're anything like me, the answer is not very much. Or I didn't, at least before I started researching this episode. Now, I guess I'm a bit of a pig pro. <laughs> Ooh, since we're talking all about swine today, let's see if you can spot the fake. Spot the fake. It's a fake. You're a fake. I'm a fake. Spot the fake. Listen to these piggy names and see if you know which one isn't real. Ready? Here we go. Number one, Warthog. Number two, Short-Haired Polka Pig. Number three, Babarusa. And number four, Red River Hog. Can you figure it out? Well, if you guessed the short-haired polka pig, you're right. Such a pig does not exist. But if it did, I bet it would be adorable. Let's learn about the real ones. Okay, you've probably heard of a warthog before. While these swine aren't going to be winning any beauty contests anytime soon, they are gifted in other ways. Warthogs are about a meter long, and they are not choosy dinner guests. They're omnivores, so pretty much anything is on the menu. One impressive thing about warthogs is that they're quite adaptable. That means they can adjust their behavior if they need to. For instance, if a warthog found that there were too many people around during the day to search for food, it would just switch to foraging at night. Warthogs can communicate with squeals, grunts, snorts, and chirps. 
And what about baby warthogs? Well, there can be up to eight in a litter. They're called piglets, and they're a lot cuter than their parents. If you've ever been to Indonesia, you might get the chance to see a babarusa. But in fact, if you're near a zoo anywhere, you might see a babarusa there too. These piggies do really well in captivity and have been known to live over 20 years in a zoo. Their name means pig deer, maybe because of their deer-like legs or their tusks that look a bit like antlers. Babarusa are taller than your average pig, and while both males and females have lower tusks, only the males have really big curly upper tusks. Now, you might be wondering what their tusks are for, and the answer is, we don't know. Some believe they're used to show females how fit and healthy a male is, but the truth is, it's a mystery. The red river hog is a very handsome looking pig with a beautiful red coat. It's also known as a tufted pig because of the long white tufts on its ears. You might have guessed from the name that these hogs like wading in the river, and you're right. Red river hogs are quite adaptable and don't mind too much of people moving close to where they live. They enjoy eating crops and can even become a bit of a pest of farmers. Earth Rangers! Hey, Earth Rangers. When I say pig, the first kind to come to mind is probably the cute little pink, brown, or black and white piggies you'd find on a farm, right? Uh-uh. Well, wild pigs are anything but cute little piggies. They can be big, strong, and not exactly friendly. Now, you might be wondering some of the things that I wondered. Like, for instance, do we even have wild pigs here in Canada? Well, it might surprise you to find out that yes, we do. In fact, we have wild pigs in British Columbia, Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, Ontario, and Quebec. But how did they get there? Here's the thing. Eurasian wild boars were brought to Canada in the 80s and 90s. They were intended to be used for meat, but some of those boars escaped and mated with domestic pigs. Those are the ones you'd find on a farm. The result? Wild pigs. These not-so-little piggies proved to be hardier than anyone expected. The cold weather? No problem. They have a thick, bristly coat, and they dig their own homes in the snow called, wait for it, pigloos. Now, when they're babies, wild pigs are extremely cute. They're brown and striped and very sweet-looking. There are usually six piglets born per litter, and they only weigh around one or two pounds. But the tiny size doesn't last for long. When wild pigs get bigger, we're talking one to 200 pounds, they get a lot more destructive. Wild pigs can ruin farmers' crops, dig up land, and ruin the habitats of other animals. Wild pigs are commonly referred to as an invasive species. But what does that mean? Simply put, an invasive species is one that's not native to an area, but adapts to its new environment and causes big problems for local wildlife, biodiversity, and the environment. There are lots of examples of invasive species, including insects, animals, and plants. In Canada, some of the water-dwelling species that we've been monitoring are Asian carp, zebra mussels, and sea lamprey. Some of these aquatic animals are big eaters and can eliminate food for native species. Have you ever heard of the emerald ash borer? It's an insect that attacks North American ash trees and eventually kills them. So, what can be done? 
Well, there are groups who make it their business to protect native species of plant, insects, and animals that call Canada home. They also have recommendations for people who are camping, hiking, boating, or otherwise enjoying the outdoors. Steps like cutting back invasive plants, not taking wood from infested areas, cleaning off the bottom of your boat after using it are all really helpful. But the best thing we as Earth Rangers can do is keep our environment clean and healthy, which will encourage all of the native plants, animals, and insects to flourish and thrive. Okay, Earth Rangers. Maybe you remember that a little while ago, I had the opportunity to visit the Toronto Wildlife Centre to discuss all the fabulous work they're doing. If you want to listen to my visit, you can check out episode 27, Uptown Squirrels, Pentails Peregrines, and Other City Critters to find out more. But what I didn't tell you then is that I also got to ride along with them and help out an animal in need. It was super exciting. More about that in a sec, but first, let's play a quick round of Who Am I? Who am I? Who am I? Who am I? All right, Earth Rangers. What animal do you think makes this sound? Okay, okay, I know. This one's pretty easy. Are you ready to guess? Yep, of course. This was a duck. Easy peasy. And you know what? This specific sound of a mother mallard duck calling to her chicks is going to be very crucial in just a few moments. Because on my ride with the Toronto Wildlife Center, we encountered a very unlucky baby ducky. But spoiler alert, we totally saved him. Earth Ranger Emma here, reporting from the Toronto Wildlife Center rescue van, here with Sarah and Sarah. Hi, Sarahs. <laughs> I just witnessed an amazing rescue operation, and I was really impressed by what you did. Can you quickly tell our listeners how we got here? Yeah, so um, we got a call, I do believe it's from the finder, um, that a baby duck went into a sewer system and she could hear him calling, but she can't see him. So uh, we made a few phone calls and were able to get Brampton Fire to come meet us out here and help us at this scene. And we, it seems like it was a pretty successful rescue. <laughs> so can you tell us about this successful rescue? Yep, so we arrived on scene and Brampton Fire was already here. We were able to talk to them and kind of set up a plan. We started with playing mom mallard calls. Mothers do actually make little quacking honking sounds to their babies kind of telling them to like get moving let's start walking uh into the sewer system we played those with no response which was what we expected just because it sounded like the baby was probably pretty deep in the sewer system oh my sorry i have to stop you just for a second because gonna forget if i don't ask you do you have a collection of animal sounds that you use for these kinds of situations i actually just used my cell phone and googled mom mallard calling babies Huh. <laughs> We're pretty high tech here. Um, we do have something that does something very similar. It's a megaphone. It's very bulky. And sometimes in these situations, you're guaranteed to have a phone. So that's what we tried. <laughs> yeah. Can you tell our listeners what happened next? I mean, after using the phone to call the baby duck didn't help? Um, we decided to try and flush the baby using water from the fire truck. 
which in theory is great because it looked like the pipes went straight across the road. However, it actually appeared that they met in the middle and then ran down the length of the road. So that made it a little harder, but we do know that that sewer system flushed out into a stormwater management pond that is just across the street. So we came over here hoping that, you know, we'd be flushing him out of where that comes. And while we were here, we noticed a little baby duckling by itself about a couple hundred meters from where that flush out spot is. So I went over there and uh, was able to grab him using my incredible whistling skills, which are not very good, to make it sound like a baby duck calling. And he actually came towards me and I was able to get him in the net as he was diving. So the, the thought is, and we do believe it most likely is the baby that was in the sewer system. Uh, Mom is still here. She still has her eight babies. So we can assume that he's our guy and we're gonna take him back to the center and get him checked out. Yay, that's great. It's so cool that you managed to flush him out and he was saved. But I wonder, couldn't you introduce him back to his mom? We were thinking about doing that. Um, that is an option if it wasn't as long as it's been. So this guy has been in that system probably since like 1130 this morning. We want to make sure his sugars are okay, that he's healthy. If mom stays, great. I don't know that we would be able to come back and successfully reunite him with his family. Um, you know, if he's in our care for a couple of days, that can change the dynamic of mom and her current babies. So we will probably take the risk and raise him ourselves. We do raise quite a few ducks every year um, and we are able to successfully release them right before they're able to fly. Ah, I see. And does he get to hang out with the other duck orphans? Absolutely. So they will be raised with other ducks in groups of up to usually 10 and they live with each other the whole time and then literally right before they can fly they are released as a group into an incredible spot for them. Oh that's so perfect. How old do they need to be for you to release them? Uh, that's a great question. Uh, they're usually I would say probably a couple of months old. So when they would naturally be kind of leaving mom anyways is when we would be releasing them. Um, we like to release them in a place and at a time where they could easily get away from predators but can't necessarily fly away at release from each other so that they actually stay together and have safety in numbers. Mm -hmm. No, that makes a lot of sense. But how old do you think this baby duck is? The guy today was probably maybe hatched today or yesterday, like super fresh, super little. <laughs> um, and unfortunately, mom was just crossing the street and the sewers that exist in the cities, the grates are big enough for them to fall through. Oh, did you have other rescues today? Today has been a, a busy day. So we started with a goose family, mom, dad, and some babies on a green roof in Scarborough. Um, so we moved those guys uh, from the rooftop where it was obviously unsafe for them to the closest water source, which happened to be like a creek down the street. Wow, it's so cool that you can do this. Now, let me just describe your rescue mobile to our listeners. It's basically a big van with a lot of room in the back for various crates. And I see here in the back of the van, there are lots of nets and tools. Can you tell us a bit about the tools you're using? Um, our major tools that are probably used on a daily basis are our big nets. Uh, they're good for catching anything from a size of a, a small duck to as big as a coyote. It's kind of our main tool, but we do have some pretty cool things. We actually have an infrared camera. We have a drone if needed for situations. At the center, we don't care at all the time, but we do have to kind of monitor or say something's too high and we can't reach it to get some equipment up there so we can climb it. We have hip waders and kayaks and you name it, we can have it. If we don't have it, we can probably find someone who can help us. 
Oh, wow, that's crazy. What's your favorite thing about animal rescues? I get this question a lot and I never know what to say. Um, I feel like every rescue comes with different things. Like some are just great because you have success and you don't feel like you're going to. And that's always obviously a great feeling. And some of them are great because, you know, it's a really tricky situation or you're worried about that animal. And some of them are great because you can teach people a lesson. Oh yeah, I bet. Okay, guys, that was great and really exciting. I just love the work that you do. And I'm so happy that this little duckling here is safe and sound. Thanks so much for letting me tag along. Thank you. Bye. And what? you little ducky. <laughs> Thanks so much. Okay, Earth Rangers, I absolutely loved tagging along with the Toronto Wildlife Center crew. They do such a great job. And you know who else is doing a great job? All the listeners who have already sent in submissions for our Junior Wildlife Reporters Contest. Quick reminder for everyone else. In this brand new contest, I'm calling all you animal experts to send in your own report about your favorite animals, a super interesting species, some obscure animal fact that you learned about, or even about interesting conservation work that's happening in your neighborhood. Send us a voice message by going to earthrangers.com podcast and clicking on the leave us a message button. With some luck, you may end up hearing your report on the show. Let's get to the very first submission now. Hello, Earth Rangers! Hi, Earth Rangers! Hello, Earth Rangers! Hi, Earth Rangers! Hi, Earth Rangers! Junior Wildlife Reporters! Hi, I am Dominic. I am 8 years old and I live in Itasca, Illinois. Today, I am going to tell you about the African Spiny-Tailed Lizard. But before I do that, I'm going to play a quick game of Spot the Fake. I'm a fake. Spot the fake. To play the game, I'm going to tell you four animals, and you are going to try to guess which one is the fake. Here I go. Purple sea snail. Sea hare. Ruby-tailed monkey. Or mud turtle. Which one of those animals do you think is a fake? If you guessed ruby-tailed monkey, you're correct. I completely made that one up. Now I'm going to tell you about the African spiny-tailed lizard. Size is about 34 centimeters. Weight is about 450 grams. Color, brownish gray with red, orange, and yellow. It has scales. What does it eat? Leaf, stems, and insects. Where it lives? Northern Africa. Predators, raptors, wolves, and snakes. Lifespan is about 20 to 25 years. Now for the three interesting facts about the spiny-tailed lizard. They use their spike tails as a defense. Two, they can hiss. Three, they sleep in underground burrows.
hope you like my podcast, and thank you for listening. Whoa, Dominic, such a great segment. Your spot the fake was pretty tough. I have never even heard of a sea hare. I just looked it up, and it looked way different than I imagined. It's not furry at all. It's actually a type of sea slug. And really interesting facts about the African spiny-tailed lizard. The tail of this lizard is pretty intimidating. I'll put a photo up on the episode notes. Thanks, Dominic. And for everyone else, this was an amazing example of how a wildlife report can look like. And don't forget that every submission will be entered into the draw for a chance to win an awesome prize. What's the prize? Well, it's a custom special edition Earth Rangers podcast Bluetooth speaker. It's so awesome, you guys. It's got my face on it and everything. If you don't want to wait until the end of the contest for a chance to get one, ask your parents to visit theearthrangershop.com to find out more. Well, Earth Rangers, I've had quite an educational day. From wild boars to helping out baby ducks, it's been a terrific podcast. I can't wait for you to join me next time when we learn about more of, well, everything. Until then, stay safe and keep on ranging. Hi everyone, I'm Jeremy. I'm Autumn. And I'm Jasper. And we're, we're a GZM family. family. And we want you to listen to our favorite show, Becoming Mother Nature. I love the one with the Green Reaper and the zombies. Yeah! Hey animal lovers, Earth Ranger Emma here to tell you about my favorite app, the Earth Rangers app. By signing up for a free membership, you can access tons of fun content like daily animal trivia, puzzles, top 10 lists, and my podcast, of course. In the app, you can send me notes by commenting on the episode pages. I just love hearing from you. You can also complete environmental missions, do eco-friendly crafts, and help protect animals. And if you use the code Emma in the code vault, you'll earn 25 bonus points to help you level up. Download today, and I'll see you in the app.